What does your home mean to you? Is it the place where you keep your belongings? Or is it the place where the people you care about spend most of their time? Does it run deeper than that? Is it somewhere where your soul feels at peace? Where without thought you feel like you belong? Like you've always belonged. Like there was nowhere else you should be. How deep would this run? It's the story of a Monaghan man which answers these questions for us. This is his story. In County Monaghan, in 1771, a child is born. His name was John McKenna. John was the son of William McKenna and Eleanor O'Reilly. The McKennas were a famed family in the area where John grew up. His ancestors were once the rulers of North Monaghan in an area that was a small independent kingdom known as McKenna Country. Their kingdom stood for over 500 years. The ringforts from which they ruled can still be explored today. Through his father, John was able to link his own bloodline directly to the chieftains of the McKennas, and had the rule of the land been different at the time of his birth, he may even have been in line for their throne. Not only was John's father's bloodline enriched with the blood of the Celtic rulers, his mother's family too were a family of power. Two years before John's birth, his mother's brother, Alexander O'Reilly, had been forced to flee Ireland with the rest of the wild geese in the Williamite and Jacobite War. With the other Catholic armies of Ireland, he settled as a refugee in Spain. Whilst in Spain, Alexander was quickly identified as a capable leader of men and rose through the ranks of their army. He soon became known to all as Alejandro O'Reilly. When John turned 11, Alexander requested information on his nephew's developments as a young man. Like many others from the Jacobite army, banished from their home, he felt it was now up to the next generation of Irish boys to raise up free Ireland and liberate their home. Upon hearing John was a very bright boy, Alexander requested that John join him in Spain so he could receive a proper education and perhaps train to become a soldier. John's parents were thrilled to hear Alexander would care for their son and give him an opportunity that was becoming less and less likely as the crown of England's shadow came to consume Ireland into its darkness. They packed a bag for him, dressed him in his best clothes and put him on a boat destined for Spain. The boat took John to Barcelona and as he placed his foot onto the docks he understood life would never be the same again. The Spanish sun was beating down on him and he was confused by how the air could feel hot in his lungs. He looked at how blue the seawater was and how many fish were being brought off the ships around him. 
It was a far cry from home. He had come from a land infected with depression and was now somewhere and for the first time in his short experience on earth, he felt hope. Not hope for the freedom of others, but the hope for the opportunities for himself. These emotions and thoughts were personified as John heard someone shout his name from across the docks. As he looked over, he saw Alexander. He saw him surrounded by soldiers and officials and the locals scrambling to shake his hand. The banished man of Ireland was now a man of power. He put out a hand and shook John's hand tightly. Then the two spoke Irish for a time where Alexander told John he was now to learn Spanish, but never to forget his first language. After John settled into his new surroundings, Alexander enrolled him in the Royal School of Mathematics in Barcelona, where Alexander himself was a professor. He taught John in his engineering classes. He then studied in the Royal Military Academy as a military engineer, following in his uncle's footsteps. At the age of 16, having been guided by his uncle, the heads of the schools he taught in recognised that John was a very bright young man. It was recommended that he join the Spanish army as they could use a man of his abilities. John agreed with their path for him, determined to once again be a McKenna who led men into battle and he had seen what being a military man had done for his uncle. It is at this point of the story that we leave Alexander, but fret not, we'll return to him another day. When he joined the army, John was placed into a group made up of the other wild geese soldiers and their sons. He was appointed a cadet in the Regiment Irlanda of the Irish Brigade in the Spanish Army. In his early days in the army, he showed everyone that had placed faith in him that they couldn't have placed it in a better place. He won a series of medals for bravery and strategy early on and was a key figure in Spain's battle against the Moors and the French. By the age of 23, he was made a captain. John loved being in the army. He thoroughly enjoyed creating devices to break the ranks of his enemy, planning strategies and the ultimate chaos of war. In 1796, John received a letter from Sligo-born Ambrose O'Higgins. Ambrose and his family had had their ancestral home taken from them for not being willing to support a foreign crown and they had their titles stripped from them and were forced to work the lands they had once ruled, now as tenant farmers. Unwilling to be a serf of a foreign crown, Ambrose fled this oppression and escaped to South America. When Ambrose contacted John, he had been in South America a few years and was a much older man. 
he was calling out the expelled sons and daughters of Ireland to join him in the new world in the hopes of creating an Irish commune, safe from the crown, where freedom was for all, not just the powerful. With John being a soldier and an engineer, he was the ideal recruit for Ambrose. John landed in Chile and soon became part of the rebuilding of Osorno, which was destroyed by battles. Not only was it in ruins, but it was a centre of refuge and its population continued to grow despite the city's lack of development. John took on the task without a second thought and soon created a very stable city with its own microeconomy with enough housing and work for all. Such was the stability he brought to the region that the locals elected John as their governor. John began to settle in well in his new role and the city. Most of those there were either Irish or Spanish, and so John had no issues fitting in. John remained loyal to the idea of Spanish rule in the area, given his background in their armies. Whilst living here, John became very close friends with Ambrose's son, Bernardo O'Higgins. He also married a woman called Josepha and began a family. Life was good. John and the other Irish did have one issue however. The Spanish-born leaders in the region began to become annoyed with the amount of Irish arriving to the area and began to fear that at some point the Irish might turn on the Spanish and declare a new republic for themselves an Irish colony. Ambrose passed away in 1801. A story will return to. As he died, Bernardo was promoted to lead the area of Chile. The Spanish leaders, outraged by this, began to challenge his rule. They sent word to Spain that the non-Spanish may not be on their side anymore. As Spain gathered an army to go and sort the issue, the leaders of Chile, determined to create a land for free, declared a republic. John sided with the rebels and went to war with Spain. Bernardo led the fight for Chile and John was made his second in command. John became instantly famous across the New World when the Spanish arrived and met his rebel force head on. It was the Battle of Membrilla where the Spanish saw what freedom means to the desperate. Bernardo and his large army were placed well to ambush the Spanish. John was placed further back with a smaller group who were mainly engineers and builders 
to set up outposts for the army. As they settled in and waited for the Spanish, their defences had slipped and now the Spanish sat between the two groups and their lines of communication were severed. The Spanish, not aware of the two groups, marched with tremendous force into the area. Bernardo too was not aware of the Spanish movements as yet. John, however, watched on in panic. There was no massive, fully formed army between his group of builders in any hope of safety. Quickly and quietly, John and his men began to build defences and traps. As he did, the Spanish army spotted the movement of the men in the hills and sent an army of 400 trained soldiers towards the builders. As they charged up the hills, John wished his men luck, grabbed a sword and marched to the front lines. As he stood watching, he told his men, you may die today, but tomorrow we will be free. Over the next few hours, waves and waves of soldiers charged at John and his builders, and for hours, John's men held their positions. Then the rain started, and as the mud slid down the hills, wild with the fury of bloodshed, so too did John's men. Behind the Irishman, the rebels ran and charged back at the Spanish army. As night fell on that day of horror, bravery and fear, John and the builders stood in the Spanish camp, tired but victorious. The Spanish army in Chile, now in ruins after John's efforts, meant Bernardo was able to lead a full revolt. Another story for another day. John's actions in that day are remembered as the key point in Chile's revolutionary history. He was so respected for what he had done that when the Treaty of Peace was signed, John was asked to sign it on behalf of the people of Chile. After the war, the rebel army split as a result of different views in what should be best for Chile. When Luis Carrera seized power, he banished all those he had an issue with and John was exiled to Argentina. Later that year, members of Carrera's family were also exiled to Argentina due to a disagreement with him. They happened upon John in the Argentinian capital and a fight broke out. John was killed in the duel which took place. Today, as a mark of respect for John's role in Chile's independence, every major city in the nation has a street or park named after him. 
John's family still continued to grow and prosper in Chile. His descendant, Cecilia McKenna, the Chilean ambassador to Switzerland, was elected the chieftain of the McKenna clan whilst visiting the family home in Monaghan in 2004. You can travel far and wide, for as long as you please, but home is always home. Today's music was written, performed and produced by Rhino Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by myself, Oren. If you want to help support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Oren is an dumb. Good morning. the big one the sky half price sale is here choose from award-winning sky tv and everything on netflix or unmissable sports with every single live premier league game on sky sports bt sport and premier sports all half price take sky cinema and watch the biggest blockbusters or grab sky broadband ultra fast for lightning fast speeds choose one that suits you they're all half price for six months save big in the sky half price sale Search Sky Half Price. Availability subject to location, TV and broadband products sold separately. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. Setup fees, min terms and further terms apply. Offer ends 2nd of September.